the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? Tyson, my friend, good to see you on election day. You know, this this episode is going to air probably, we have so many in the can, probably in 2021. So it'll be hard <laughs> for people to remember, but you just got done voting and it's election day. So it's a, it's an unusual day. This is one of my favorite days uh, in general. You know, I, I can't say that one of my favorite days of the year because it doesn't happen every year, but it's, I love election day. I, it is one of my favorite days. Like, it really is. I, all the excitement around it, it is just, and there's like so much emotion wrapped up into it. I love it. I think this is just fantastic. I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way. I voted by mail a couple of weeks ago, so I'm all set. So that made life easier for me, and I'm glad I did. But you want to go ahead and introduce our guest for today? Yeah, today we have Tim McKee. He is the co-founder of Vista Consulting. They opened that in 2009. He opened it with his partner, Chad Dudley. And Vista's claim is to help plaintiff law firms reach their full potential. And we're going to get into more of that in a second. Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So, Tim, tell us a little bit about your journey. How did you how did you get in a position to even want to start Vista and then maybe explain to our listeners what Vista is? Yeah, uh, uh, Jim and Tyson, I wish I could tell you that that this had been planned out for years and years and it all came together just as I thought. But that's probably about the furthest thing from how Vista came into existence, really. Um, uh, I am a CPA by training. Went to work for for Deloitte, which most of you have probably heard um, out of college in the uh, mid 80s and worked there a couple of years. Decided that 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 big outfit really wasn't for me. I'm 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 a pretty rural guy, actually born and raised in very rural South Mississippi. I'm in Baton Rouge, Louisiana right now and have been here for over 20 years, actually close to 30 years. But in any event, worked for Deloitte, then then left there, practiced traditional accounting for probably about 18 years, I was a tax guy. And then I had um, what I affectionately call a little breakdown. <laughs> my partner told me I should call it an epiphany, uh, my CPA firm partner at the time. But uh, what we did when, when that happened, I was just very tired of always looking in the rearview mirror with the CPA type work. And it seemed like we were always after the fact when we were trying to help our clients. And um, 
very busy uh, invoicing uh, by the hour and the only way I knew how to do it. And uh, it's got really, really bummed out with that, to tell you the truth, and um, made a decision uh, with my partner at the time to convert that practice to a consultancy where our mantra at that time was uh, we want to help you affect your score, not just keep your score. And um, we started working with a, an array of different clients and in, uh, in delivering consulting type services. We took uh, we took our CPA numbers and measurement training and applied it to operations and started looking at operational metrics. You know, hey, how many phone calls does the automobile repair shop get and how many how many customers do we actually get into the automobile repair shop and what is our script for getting them in and we um, basically escorted out of our CPA firm our 1040 practice the individual practice and concentrated on businesses and the owners of businesses and one of those businesses happened to be a plaintiff law firm and um, we dug in and really uh, looked at every one of their systems and processes from um, I'll say marketing, but marketing in a very specific sense from intake to firm to, to case resolution and how it should work and what were the best ways. And we helped them implement best practices. And uh, lo and behold, Vista was born. So that was in around 2002 or three. But uh, Vista itself, Vista proper didn't start for several years later when we helped that particular firm hire a COO. A guy named Chad Dudley, who uh, formed uh, Vista with me. Um, uh, I have since um, uh, Chad since left the firm. He uh, he and one he and a couple of his partners bought out an advertising agency. And when that happened, we had a real optics problem. We we couldn't be we need they they needed to be market exclusive. Vista was not market exclusive, so ended up um, buying my friend out, who's still my friend, and we still do consulting work for. Or his firm. So that's probably a long-winded answer to how Vista got started, but that's how it got started. So Tim, why law firms though? Like, what, what about law firms really interested you? Because you, it sounds like you were working with a lot of different companies and, it's, and specifically what about plaintiff's law firms uh, interested you? Well, and that's where, you know, my friend Chad came in. We were working, as I said, with a, an array of different type businesses. We had a small restaurant chain. We had, as I mentioned, we had an automobile repair shop. We had a computer consulting firm and this plaintiff law firm as, as clients. And we were, we were gathering these operational metrics um, really in a very manual way with Excel spreadsheets and things like that. And, you know, this firm that we were working with, this particular law firm, they started getting real traction and growth and to the point that they needed a chief operating officer. And we helped them hire Chad Dudley as that officer, um, not the least of which was because he was a very technical, data-driven lawyer. And um, he helped take those operational metrics that we were working with and help us uh, uh, automate a lot of those processes and uh, we got even more traction with them. And Chad actually gave a, uh, a talk at a conference about how we looked at intake and what the statistics were and what our scripts were and that kind of thing. And, and one of the lawyers at the conference said, hey, can you come take a look at my firm? And Chad called me and said, hey, do you want to go? And I said, Chad, you know, you know the deal. You can go. And he said, yeah, but you know how to run a consulting business. Uh, he was a step ahead of me. And, uh, and that started just a word of mouth through the plaintiff law firm community across the country. And the more and more work we did with them, the more narrow and uh, our bandwidth became. And 
So we uh, eventually just totally narrowed it to plaintiff law firms, and, and now that's Vista today. That's who we work with. So, Tim, what were the signs that the firm that you were talking about, that Chad went to, what were the signs that they had arrived at a point where they needed a chief financial officer? Well, as a chief operating officer, really not necessarily just financial. It was that they needed someone in-house on a day-to-day basis to monitor data. We call it macro data, data across all cases. Uh, Case management systems usually do a pretty good job of doing just what they say they are, helping you manage cases. But our experience has been that um, a lot of times they're not as good, some are better than others, in helping you with a practice management system. And um, that firm had grown to a point that it needed someone on a daily basis looking at systems and processes, making sure that there was an accountability system there. And that was not our job as a consultant. And it's still not our job as a consultant. You know, we're not subcontractors. We don't come in and do all the work. Our job is to consult and teach and help you get the right people in the firm with the right systems and processes to serve your clients. You know, our, the mission at Vista is very simple. It's we want to help our clients serve their clients most efficiently and effectively. So Tim, the, I imagine whenever you come into consults, you're dealing with some firms that got some issues going on. You're, you, I'm, I'm sure you probably go into somewhere the things are fine with the firm, but what are the things that people are doing that are just wrong? Like when you go in, like, well, you need to fix this right away. Like what are those things? Oh gosh. Um, there's, there's a lot, you know, it varies from firm to firm. Let me say that. But a lot of times we see that people are not tracking data in a, in a, in a, in a good way. And I'll give you an example. Um, you know, we're, we are um, fanatical about uh, looking at intake and how intake works and intake works lots of different ways for lots of different firms, but for firms with any size in the firms that want to grow, you want to, when someone calls your firm or ha- you have a lead from one, you know, whether it's from the internet, from a phone call, from whatever, you want to sign up that client if they meet your criteria of the firm and, and that has a case. And what we found that lots of firms did not do that. They didn't have a very good script to be able to, um, we call it a con- convert, convert that potential client to a client um, and make sure that you're getting your fair share or more of the, the leads that come in that meet your criteria. You know, we've been at over 150 firms across the country and, and in Canada. I say that because I like to say we're international. But uh, it, in any event, you know, tracking that data and knowing that you're getting 93% or more of, the, of the, the clients that you want that actually reach out to you or if you're buying leads, you reach out to them. That is a metric that we see lots of firms do not track. And if they do, they don't track it well and they're not fanatical. So, you know, we believe there's only two ways to grow a law firm. One is get more clients. Two is increase the average case value. I don't know of there. There's a couple of subsets of that, but, but those are the really the only two more cases, better value. And sometimes firms are not concentrating on those two things that allow them, uh, allow their firm to grow. So again, a long-winded answer, but I, I hope that kind of hits um, hits it. So Tim, at our firm, we've been monitoring sort of the number of leads that come in, the number of leads that we consider to be qualified, 
the number of those leads that are vetted by a lawyer and hopefully signed up. And then those that actually sign up and I'm an immigration law firm. So people actually have to pay me money. It's not a contingency fee thing. So the people that sign the contract and pay, what kind of things do you tell people to look for in, in that sort of shrinking of the funnel? First of all, making sure that everyone that's going to talk to a potential new client knows your firm's criteria uh, for, for the case. Uh, you would be surprised at the firms we go into that, that's a little bit wishy-washy. And, and you mentioned attorneys taking the call most of the time. And again, this is not, you know, I, I don't usually talk in broad brush language, but most of the time we generally don't like attorneys taking, taking those uh, new client calls unless there's ethical reasons in the case and uh, in the, in the state. And the reason for that is the client, I mean, that, that lawyer is probably handling cases and if his docket is full, his criteria changes. <laughs> uh, we've noticed that. And we want to um, make sure that it is someone's job to be an intake person and to sign the cases that have the, the appropriate criteria. Uh, same thing with if you're using paralegals, legal assistants, case managers, whatever, to handle um, those intake um, or potential new client leads, let's call them, because they can come from lots of different places, right? You know, if they're busy, it can be not intentional, but subconscious that, that they be, they, their, their criteria tightens up. And um, you can lose lots of uh, potential clients that way. So uh, again, and then, you know, having the script and having that person be empathetic, knowing what you're really looking for, what are the, the key touches? Actually, those are sales positions, really, if you think about it. Um, you know, what's the criteria and can we serve them and how do we get them into, into our firm? Because I, we feel that your firm's the best. They called you for a reason. But a lot of times you don't sink that hook and you don't get them in. So um, there's a lot of details that go into that, Jim. So I hope that that helps a little bit. So, Tim, let's get into some details because I, I want to talk about KPIs a little bit because I know that you're you're a pro in KPIs. So let's <laughs> talk about that. What, what are the things that law firms should be tracking when it comes to KPIs? Oh gosh, we could, you know, I'm, I'm doing an hour and a half uh, uh, presentation on just KPIs. Uh, and the one, that, the easiest one, or a couple of the ones that we feel are the absolute most important are those intake statistics, just like we talked about. And again, I think Jim did a good job in explaining what they track, which is, you know, how many leads do we get and, and from what sources? And then of those, how many do we want? And of those that we want, and I say want, that's the ones that meets our criteria. And of those that meet our criteria, how many do we actually convert to a client? You know, looking at that and knowing at a high level that, that we're doing a very good job on conversion is very, very important. And we call that a scoreboard type report. Hey, we're at 93% or above. But if you have more than one person talking to potential new clients, we then want to look at what we call a diagnostic report. So what's the individual ratios? You know, if Billy is getting you know, 98% and Susie is getting 75%, you know, what is the difference? Because if they're getting a uh, representative calls, they're not, you know, screened or anything like that. They should be close, right? And a lot of times we find that they're not. And then we want to know what Billy's doing to get 98% versus what uh, Susie maybe is not doing that's getting 75%. Uh, those are, that's something that's very, very important. But I also want to take one moment here and talk about 
uh, numbers and being careful about just looking through a tunnel at those particular statistics because you should also be tracking the cases that close without a fee because if if you um, your your uh, conversion rate is really 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 good but you notice that you're closing out you know 40% of the cases that you sign up without a fee then we need to go back and really revisit what the firm's criteria is and those are the things that we look at at a macro level you know people say numbers don't lie Numbers can lie if you look at them. You, you can look at them from a skewed place. But um, I want to go into one other thing since you asked for just a couple is um, client contact, especially in the plaintiff world, having a system that the paralegal and the attorney or legal assistant, whatever the terminology you use, contact proactively their clients periodically and consistently. That is the one thing that one of my consult, our consultants who works says that's the drop the mic on case management because so many good things happen when you communicate consistently with your client. Number one, you know, what we hear get pushback from paralegals is say, hey, I don't have time to call all these people. And you know, when we dig into it, you know the reason they don't have time? Because they're fielding calls from them coming in. You know, what's the status of my case? Well, we want to get on the other side of that and play offense instead of defense. And we have some systems and ways to, to do that using case management systems, using uh, dashboard type reports that who's contacting and being able to hold your team accountable and um, holding them accountable, not with a hammer that, hey, you're not doing well, but hey, your numbers, your stats on, on the clients that you have and the contacts that you have not made, why is it not happening? What can we do to help you? Uh, not, again, using those stats as a hammer. So, again, those are two big ones, the intake statistics, uh, the client contact in the case management area. But we could go, we could go on and on in, 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 in KPIs. There's a lot of financial KPIs we look at, too. Jim, before you go, I want to say something really quick. So, Tim, we've been uh, tracking our numbers pretty religiously. And I actually have a meeting with Mark Carlin and Nathan Harris in a couple of days, and we're going to talk about how we've increased our case values and the number one thing, because we've almost doubled them over the last couple of years. Wonderful. And it's been, it's been incredible. The number one factor is client communication. So we, we have it where we set up where we've got to be in touch with our clients every two weeks. Like that's our magic number that we found is two weeks more than that. It doesn't really matter, but every two weeks, if we're touching with them, it's like, it could be an email, it could be a phone call, it could be a text message. It could be a letter, whatever it may be. But that has been a huge factor. So I'm glad you pointed that out. So for those of you that, that do PI, the number one thing you can do for your firm is create a mechanism for staying in touch with your clients. So just Absolutely. And, and look, that doesn't have to be a long call. We've kind of narrowed it down to five bullet points of what you should get. And don't ask me what they are right now. But there's four or five little things that, that, that you need to get from that client. You know, um, uh, have you, are you continuing to treat? Do you have a new doctor? There, there are certain things like that. And, and if you can get those and, and that client knows you're going to contact them, then you can also do something else, which is marketing. You know, my attorney calls me. My attorney is there. And you can get very good Google reviews, very good things like that. But those are the things that I'm talking about. If you can see making these things a system, this happens automatically within your, your firm. You can get lots of yardage with, with these things, lots and lots. So. All right, let's pause for a word from our sponsor. 
Thanks to our sponsor, Smith AI. Smith AI is a superior reception service for law firms trusted by many maximum lawyers, including yours. At my immigration practice, the hacking law practice, Smith AI's friendly U.S.-based receptionists respond to potential clients in English or Spanish. They screen and schedule new leads, and they even take payment for consults. Best part is they don't just handle these conversations via phone. They also have live agents and chatbots capturing leads on our website through their chat widget. They serve as our friendly gatekeepers while my team and I work uninterrupted. We get new clients and we get work done. How awesome is that? If you're in a solo or small firm, I know you'll appreciate this. Smith AI now offers 24-7 virtual receptionist service, answering calls, website chats, texts, and Facebook messages. Plans start at just $70 a month for calls and $100 a month for chats. They even offer a totally free chatbot, so there's really no excuse. Try Smith AI today and see for yourself why attorneys like me say Smith AI receptionists are the secret to business growth. Smith AI offers a free trial, and maximum lawyer listeners get an extra $100 discount with promo code M-A-X-L-A-W-1-0-0. Sign up and learn more at www.smith.ai. Trust me when I say, don't let another day go by. Try Smith AI. All right. So, Tim, let's talk a little bit about those financial KPIs. Talk to us about cash flow, profit and loss. What are the things that a new or law firm should be looking at in, in context? No, happy to. Happy to. Um, really, two things that I'll hit on, and maybe three, um, <laughs> is... Um, we like to see firms actually prepare a budget and uh, then compare budget to actual. And what I mean by budget is not that you sit down uh, at the end of the year in November, this time of year, we have lots of clients going through budgeting process are getting ready to. Uh, we're not saying that, hey, we're not going to spend more than pick a number, $12,000 on office supplies or some number like that. that's not what we're saying. What we're saying was we want you to project what you really think your expenses are going to be for the upcoming year based on prior year and what you think is going to happen. And obviously we've got some hiccups here going on with the COVID situation, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't budget. We shouldn't attempt to project these expenses. And then once you get expenses, then what's revenue? What revenue do we have last year? Why do we think we're going to have that or more this year? What are our marketing expenses? Putting those things down on paper and getting them into your accounting system where every month, you can look at this is what we thought was going to happen. This is what did happen. And here's the delta. And when you, you can look at that and you can and see that there are material differences between what you thought and what happened, especially on the expense side, you can learn a lot about your firm. Those things we think are extremely important. If, if there's a material difference and you know why, for example, hey, we decided to put some more money in advertising, totally understand. We're not trying to say because you have a difference things are bad. But if there's a material difference and you don't know why, I say that's management 101. You got to dig in and see what happened. Why did we think this, then this happened? And over time, when you budget year after year, there's so much learning that goes on, so many targets that you can set because you simply, it's like anything else, you get better at it, right? So budgeting is huge. It also uh, helps with internal controls within the, your accounting department. If things get out of whack, you don't know why. And, you know, maybe we're not suggesting that your accounting people could be doing anything nefarious, but it, this is another check on it. The, the other thing I'll touch on for just a second is we take every firm we work with and we, we, we crunch their numbers into what we call a mini P&L, mini profit and loss statement, because with plaintiff firms, Really, there's always three major expenses on the plaintiff side. 
which is attorney compensation, non-attorney compensation, and I'll call it case acquisition costs. You could might say marketing, advertising, if you're a referral firm, maybe it's referral fees, but those three areas compose usually 70 to 80, sometimes even 90% of a firm's expenses. All the other stuff, rent, electricity, all that, we throw into another category and we try and we get a baseline with each firm as what these expenses are from a numerical standpoint, but also as a ratio of their, of their revenue. And we have some internal numbers within Vista that we like to see firms hit depending on where they are in their life cycle. Life cycle. Are they a startup entity? Are they a turnaround? We're trying to help them uh, turn around. Are we simply realigning a few things? Or are they sustaining success? So those mini P&Ls and based on where the firms are in their life cycle can really help us decide what levers to push or pull to be able to affect the bottom line profitability. But I'll also stop here and say, none of this takes precedence over client service. We're about serving the client. And if you don't serve that client, I propose to you that profitability will not happen. So we, we try to not necessarily always look at just bottom line profit, but are we doing the right things for our clients? Because we believe that profitability um, and cash flow is a result of delivering high quality uh, products and services to, to your clients. So we don't want to ever get that mixed up and just say, hey, we just want to make as much money as we can. Well, yeah, we do, but we cannot sacrifice quality services uh, to our clients. We just can't do that. I love that message, Tim. That's, that's great. Unfortunately, we are running out of time. Um, we're going to have to start to wrap. Before we do, will you tell people how to get in touch with you if uh, they want to work with you? Certainly. I, again, my name is Tim McKee, M-C-K-E-Y. My email address is T-M-C-K-E-Y at Vista, V-I-S-T-A-C-T, as in cattom.com. C-T is consulting team. So Vista consulting team or VistaCT.com. I get last thing is the website, www.VistaCT.com. Very good stuff. All right, we do need to wrap things up. Uh, do you want to remind everyone to go to the Facebook group, get involved there, join uh, us in the guild, maxlawguild.com. A lot of great uh, high-level stuff going on in the guild. And if you don't mind just taking a couple minutes while you're listening to the rest of this episode to give us a five-star review, we would greatly appreciate it. Jimbo, what is your hack of the week? My hack of the week is for lawyers to stop telling themselves that they're not good with math and they're not good with numbers. It, all this, I mean, if you get the people that help you set up the KPIs, you can really notice some trends. I noticed some trends because we've been tracking those categories that I mentioned to Tim earlier about, and I noticed that there was a problem in that the attorneys were not evaluating the cases quickly enough. And so if you're not looking at your numbers, you're just letting all this information and all this data just pass you by and you're really just shooting in the dark. And I was one of the greatest offenders of saying, Oh, I went to law school, so I didn't have to do algebra. Right. So you don't have to know rocket science in order to, to make numbers effective for you. No, but if you do know rocket science, I'm sure it does help you quite a bit in knowing your numbers. Um, just so you know. All right, Tim. So we always ask our guests to give a tip or hack of the week. Do you have a tip or a hack for us? 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, man, I'm going to squeeze in two real quick. A very short one is on intake. Uh, what we've noticed uh, across the country, the highest conversion rates are happening when you're using electronic signups as opposed to waiting for someone to come in or mailing them a package or even sending an investigator out. You know, if you can have a potential client on the phone and text them a contract or a, or a retainer agreement, don't get tangled up with all the other things they have to sign, the HIPAA agreement, all those kind of things. Just get their signature because what we're trying to do is stop them from shopping. And once they make have that first signature and you can get it electronically, they stop shopping. So that's that's number one. Number two is a Vista mantra that we strongly believe, and if you're around as much, you'll hear it. It's something that we call TT and E, which is tools, training, and expectations. If you have an employee or a, a team member that is not that you think may not be performing well, before you go and talk to them, ask yourself: Have we given them the tools to do their job? Have we trained them on those tools? And have we very clearly explained expectations to them. I propose to you, if you haven't done those things, you have a management problem, not a people problem. Um, and if you, if you can get yourself comfortable that you have given them the tools, you've trained them, you've explained expectations, and you're still not getting good performance, that that person, that team member is either unwilling or unable to do the job. It can't be anything else. So what do you need to do with that? Once you go through that process, it's uh, you can then make a well-informed decision on what steps to take for the improvement uh, plan. I love that. I, I always like to tell the story when it comes to tools. We had an employee, her numbers were just awful because we were, we were tracking everything. We still track everything through Domo and her, her, the amount of activity that she was doing through file was awful compared to other people. And then we, we started asking questions instead of, you know, saying, you know, you're, she's just a bad employee. We, we asked questions, come to find out she only had one screen. Everyone else had two screens and two screens makes a significant difference over one screen. It's like crack cocaine. Once you get two, you want three. <laughs> right. I have three in my office. You're absolutely right. So, but yeah, you're right. I mean, and it usually does come down to a, a management problem. So that's, I, I love that. It's really, really good uh, advice there, Tim. Um, so my, my tip of the week is an app and you can also do it on your computer too. It's, it's Zazzle. If you've never used Zazzle, it's a funny name, but we got these, uh, you can't see it because you're on the podcast. We've got these iPhone cases that we got for all of our employees and we get some other custom stuff and it is super, super cheap. Like, like I think the iPhone case or the phone cases were like seven bucks each branded where like a lot of places it's like 30, 50 bucks, something like that. So really easy way to get brand stuff for you and your team or for clients, whatever it may be. Is it the highest quality? Not always, but usually it's good enough. So Check it out, Zazzle. Very, very good. Um, Tim, thank you so much for coming on. This was fantastic. I could I could talk to you for hours just about numbers and everything. So really, really thank, appreciate it. Thank you for asking me to be on. It was, uh, it was a pleasure. Absolutely. And I want you to send me your five things that you need to, that you need to ask about. Cause I'm, I'll I'm talk to the now. real brains of my operation, which are my, my rock star consultant group, and I'll get them enumerated for you and get them to you. I love it. I, I guess, but I don't think I got them right. So I, I want to. You're pretty close. I saw your guesses. <laughs> Thanks so much, Tim. Appreciate it. Take care. You too. See you. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. The Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your host and to access more content, more content. go to MaximumLawyer.com. MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.